But my favorite tampon story, and you guys probably know this because I tell it all the time, is when Derek was riding his bike out front with all the neighborhood kids and he's swinging this thing around and George is looking at him and he's like, hey, buddy, come here for a second. Derek pulls up and he's like, what do you got there? And he's like, it's my lucky charm. (laughs) And I found it in the garage. And so it must, it wasn't unused, obviously. I would hope so. But it had come out of the applicator so it was like flat. You know how they flat now? And he just swing it around. It's my lucky charm. (laughs) George says something like, you ain't gonna Sit down, I want to tell you a story. A really weird and messed up story With murdering ghosts and gobbly ghouls It's all really fucked up, so don't you be fooled It's effed up family story time Hello everyone, welcome to effed up family story time I'm Salem And I'm Hannah and with us today, we have Belle. What up? <laughs> She's the only bitch here It's just right now. me. Just the three of us you this time. You just stuck with me. I know Mother, that we daughter. I know we haven't been around um, for a while. Somebody so got COVID. So you wouldn't understand the turmoil <laughs> that our lives have become. My mommy got COVID. Somebody got I COVID. I got COVID. <laughs> Yay. It was the most horrific experience in the entire world. I can honestly say, even after having two children, which I threw up about every 20 minutes for the first four months of their pregnancies. Gross. I still have never felt as bad as I did when I had COVID. All right. So we're here recording our 29th episode. Woo-woo. Woo-woo. Yeah. <laughs> How's everyone been doing? Neither of you sounded excited. Oh. Well, I'm I'm excited, but I'm not excited because we need to put episodes out. Yeah. Out. This is it. Sorry this is it's it. been so We're long. getting back on track. We made you some content. Had a lot of shit going on. Do we want to tell the story of Last Pod? Or I'll talk about it. Save it for your All right. We got to do our plugs. So, guys, if you want to talk to us, tell us how we're doing. Give us some insight. Give us some story suggestions. We're always open to ideas. Uh, reach out to us. You can find <laughs> us on Facebook at, at we're FFS the podcast. Um, you can also find us on Twitter or Instagram. I think we're the same yeah, FFS yeah, the, podcast, the podcast. Pretty much everywhere. You can email us at FFS the podcast at gmail.com. So please, and if you want to help our podcast, rate us. Rate us on Spotify, rate us on Apple, iTunes, podcasts. Tell the algorithm that you like us so the algorithm can show us to other people. Yeah, exactly. Even if you hate us. Even if you hate us, rate us. Rate us even poorly. Just fucking rate us. Interact with us, Comment. Valorate us. We need valoration. We're screaming into the void, and it'd be nice to have some interaction with the void. So we're going to get into our story now, and today Hannah is telling us a story. Hannah! It's a me. What are you telling us? Um, so it's not a single story this week. Okay. It's more of a theme. Uh, the theme is oh. bad things happening at fun places. 
Ooh. <laughs> kind of a very broad theme. <laughs> I was just listening to the radio on the way home and they were talking about how in certain parks they will remove a body to have it declared dead outside of their property. I, if you're talking about schmizny. <laughs> schmizny um, Apparently that's not true. That was like a huge urban legend that okay. like they would take people off of the property so that nobody could die on schmizny property. So there's like zero deaths. Um, but there are deaths on schmizny property oh there are <laughs> and i will that's one you're gonna of tell us about some ones. of them all right so bad things happening at fun places i'm very excited for this me too it, it originally started i was doing like amusement parks specifically but then i heard one story which i saved for the end because i think it's the most interesting um that is not an amusement park but it's still a quote-unquote fun place <laughs> But we're starting off with an amusement park. Um, so we're starting off with the Disney monorail accident, which... That sounds bad. No, oh, it wasn't... I mean, we'll get into it. Okay. <laughs> All I can think of is that bad. Simpsons episode. Monorail! Monorail! <laughs> monorail! <laughs> um, so on July 5th of 2009, the monorail purple and monorail pink line collided on the Epcot line at Walt Disney World after a failed track switchover, yes, Belle. I feel like I remember hearing about that. Yeah. Because I went to Disney World <gasps> in 2010. Oh, yeah. With <gasps> Nara and Elisa. I and I remember forgot. being on the monorail. What was the year? 2009. 2009. And it was, I was, no, maybe it was 2009 that I went. Because I was 15. It was the summer that I turned 16. Was it 16. your senior year? No, it was my junior year. So it would have been it was 2009 summer, to 2010. It was the summer before my junior year. So it was 2009. It was the summer that was of 2009. Fuck. Oh, I was shit. this close to being killed in a you monorail were. accident. I mean, like, not maybe really. this close, not really. but still closer than me. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So anyways... Two monorail, two monorail trains collided on the Epcot line at Walt Disney World after a failed track switchover. Monorail Pink was driving on, Ep on the Epcot line preparing to switch to the Magic Kingdom line. So the way they have it set up with the monorails, there's one line that goes around the Magic Kingdom, one line that goes around Epcot, and there is one part where they switch over. I don't know if this is still oh, true, but okay. at least in 2009, this was true. There was one part where they switched over so that all trains could go on both lines. Okay. Um, I think there might have been two lines that went around Magic Kingdom. And they Kingdom. had the switch wrong. Yeah. Um, so Monorail Pink was driving along the Epcot line. They stopped in front of the spur that connected the two lines and they were going to reverse onto the Magic Kingdom line. So they radioed the panel operator and were preparing to reverse onto the Magic Kingdom line. The panel operator didn't properly switch the tracks, but he didn't notice that he didn't properly switch the tracks. So well, he, obviously, because if he did, he would have he would have properly switched the tracks, right? <laughs> um, but he he thought. They, I don't know the gender of the panel operator. Okay. They thought that they had switched over the spur so that they could reverse onto it onto the Magic Kingdom line. So he gave the go ahead to the pink line on the monorail to go ahead and reverse. 
So monorail pink started reversing on the Epcot line, but at the same time, the monorail purple was approaching on the Epcot line. (laughs) So they started approaching the ticket area where you would like switch over from lines Mm -hmm. and pay for your ticket to get onto the monorail. They were approaching that area at the same time. Monorail purple noticed that monorail pink was in front of them and reversing towards them. So they attempted to reverse at the same time that monorail pink was approaching them. Unfortunately, they still collided and destroyed the back car of monorail pink and the front car of monorail purple during this collision, operator Austin went. Mm, here comes me not being able to pronounce things. Just do your typical. Best. Aust- operator Austin Wunnenberg was killed. That sounds right. He was the operator of the monorail purple line, so he was I in the front car. I thought you just said car. nobody was hurt. No, I said no passengers. Oh, okay. So like no guests. So the dri- the driver was killed, the driver though. was Wannenberg killed. Was killed. Yes, Austin Wunnenberg was killed. He was okay. twenty one years old. That sucks. All of his coworkers said that he was super intelligent, like a genius level intelligence. He was so kind, so sweet. All like there are a couple of accounts of people who were riding in monorail purple like a couple of days before the accident occurred, and they said that they remember him being like super sweet to them, yeah. and they were like riding in the front car with him, and he was super kind. Um, but unfortunately, he was killed. So after this collision, there was an investigation, and the supervisor could have prevented the collision had they been in the operating room at the time of the collision, but they weren't in the operating room. So they were relying on radio um, communication instead of looking at the feeds of the two of the monorail lines. I don't know if it's like factual, but it's uh, assumed that they were like off at a nearby food place getting food they at the time. They were getting a snack. Yeah, but they weren't in front of the camera, so they couldn't see that Monorail Pink hadn't actually switched over to the Magic Kingdom line. Yeah. There was also dim lighting and fogged windows that prevented Monorail Pink from being able to see and notice that they hadn't switched over. Oh. That's part of the reason, because a lot of like... A lot of people after the incident were like, well, why didn't the operator of the monorail pink line notice that they weren't on the Magic Kingdom line? Part of it was the dim lighting and the fogged windows. But the two lines were also very similar in how they looked. So it's hard to see visually where you're at. Yeah. And especially because it wasn't that far of a distance from what I understand. It wasn't that far of a distance from when they started reversing to when they collided. Um, at the time of the collision, there was guidance that stated that when reversing, a monorail operator was to move from the front car to the back car in order to like better oh. understand their surroundings. But it wasn't regularly followed by any of the monorail operators, and it wasn't okay. required by the supervisors. Even though that guidance was there, they didn't like enforce it's it like, to any this means. This is what you should really do to do the best thing. But it's, you guys go ahead and figure it's it out. Kind of like how it's. Yeah. Like, they're like, wow, you shouldn't batch blend frappuccino. But everyone does. Yeah. But like, if you don't, like, if you batch blend a frappuccino, you're not going to collide with another monorail and kill a person either. Exactly. So, yeah. <laughs> the stakes are a lot lower. Yeah. So the panel operator also could have prevented this collision if they had noticed that they had failed to properly switch the tracks over 
but they were never trained to check after they had switched the tracks over. They were only trained to check before to make sure that there was no other car on the same line before giving like the clearance to reverse. Okay. So they assumed that they had properly switched it over. They weren't trained to check to like second check their work. So they're just like, it's clear. I'm going to go get a cup of coffee. So at the time that they checked, like no other train car was on the line, but they weren't trained to double check and make sure that they were reversing onto the correct line. Okay. Um, Which I would imagine that having to reverse to go onto the correct line is probably not a regular occurrence. Yeah. I think it was either early in the morning or late at night. I can't remember exactly, but it was like not during the busiest operating hours. It was like when there weren't very many people. I think it was early in the morning. Less cars. Don't. Yeah. Don't quote me on that. (laughs) But like it wasn't during the busiest time of the park. Yeah. And so I don't think that that normally occurs during busy park hours. I think it's like. Okay. When you only have a couple of trains running to begin with and they switch over from track to track. Okay. But do they always have to reverse to switch from track to track? Mm -hmm. They do. They have to reverse. Um, I don't know if it's still this way, but at least how it was in 2009, the only connecting line was a spur. So, like, you could get off of the Magic Kingdom line onto the Epcot line by going forward, but the only way that you could get onto the Magic Kingdom line from the Epcot line was by reversing. Okay. So they should have had some sort of safety measures in place for reversing. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. So this collision occurred on July 5th. The next day, on July 6th, they reopened the monorails, despite the fact that they had collided two cars and a person had died, which I find very, very odd. It's the the happiest place on earth. Yeah, they could have just can't day. be inconvenienced by having well, the monorail closed at the happiest place on earth. You also have to realize that like Disneyland is a place that people strive to be able to go to for years. People will save for years to be. I, I just find it odd because there are buses that regularly run. Yeah, but the monorail is from, way The faster. monorail is faster. You could get to I mean, more convenience. It's not going to ruin about how it, Disney World some, is set up. So the monorails opened the day after the accident on July 6th, 2009. Good for that. America. <laughs> Money. I feel like that might have been what started like the rumor that we're fine. We were open. Yeah. Nothing like, happened. Oh, nobody died here. Yeah. Um, so after they reopened, there were changes made pretty much immediately to the monorail system. And some of the changes were like a supervisor. There was supposed to be a double of the supervisor to check that the rails had been switched so like that the the panel operator had said that he wasn't trained to check afterwards there was now an entirely different person to check afterwards to make sure that the rails had been switched so it's like a double check yeah okay um there were then spotters required to check when a train was reversing which part a lot of my information for all of these came from a youtube video or from a youtube channel called fascinating horror yes that's their name (laughs) fascinating horror and um a lot of the comments were uh, on this specific video were people who had like 
worked trains before and worked some kind of like train system, whether it be monorail or like an RTD or just like big old fucking trains. (laughs) And they all of them had said it was weird that they didn't require initially for there to be a spotter and that all of these trains were reversing blind. And so it seems like they fixed that after this collision had happened, which is great. That's good. (laughs) And they fixed that in a day, right? They f- I don't they- know if it like immediately came into effect a- effect after a day, but like pretty much immediately after this, they started making those changes. They worked towards, yeah, like improving it. Okay. Um, another change that was made is that patrons of the park were no longer allowed to ride in the front cabin, um, just in case there's a collision. just in case, yeah. In case all of these extra safety precautions and measures had failed. that makes sense. Like RTDs, you're not allowed to ride in the front. You're not allowed to ride in the front cabin. Trains, you're not allowed to ride in the yeah, front cabin. Yeah, there's like a... It was... And a lot of people also in this face or in this YouTube video that I had watched were like, oh, I remember I was one of like the last people who was able to ride in the front cabin because then immediately afterwards this collision happened and no one was allowed to do that anymore. Mm -hmm. So it was like a pretty regular thing that these monorail operators would invite patrons into the front cabin with them while they were driving the train and... Okay. J- just as like a safety precaution. Like luckily when the collision yeah. happened, nobody was in that front cabin with Austin Wannenberger. So yeah, he was the really? only person who yeah. was killed. Like had because there been anyone else in the cabin. In the morning. Yeah. Had there been anyone else in the cabin, they would have died because the entire front cabin was entirely collapsed. Since only okay. one cabin from each car or since only one car from each train was damaged. They actually used all of the other cars in different monorails um, that are still in use to this day at okay. Disney World. But purple and pink were both out of commission, but then parts from both of those trains became at the monorail teal and the monorail pe- peach line, which are still okay. being used to this day. Okay. So they changed the colors. Yeah. To kind of put it all to rest. Mm-hmm. And okay. that that's the Disney monorail accident. <clears throat> Only one death. I I would like to rate that. Maybe we should rate our stories it gets on a, a lot scale worse. from one to ten. How effed up is it? That's a pretty effed up. I think the fact they open the next day is kind of effed up. But yeah. the next story goes yeah, up in death pause. count. All right, so the next bad thing that happened at a fun place. Bad things at fun places. This is the story of the Thunder River's rapper. (laughs) (laughs) The rapper. Let me try that again. This is the story of the Thunder River Rapids ride accident. That's a tongue twister. It is a tongue twister. (laughs) So this happened fairly recently on October 25th of 2016. There was a malfunction of the Thunder River Rapids ride at Dream World Amusement Park in Queensland, Australia, that caused the deaths of four people. Oh. Not just one. It's four people now. I bet it's haunted. So the Thunder River Rapids ride was like one of your typical rapids rides that you would have at any amusement park. Like we have one at Six Flags where you like get into the boat and it's like a water ride. But oh, you're in like the tube. Yeah, you're, you're like in the, the big tube, tube and then it's got like the, the, the big rocks. 
It's a, it's in a it's tube. The, yeah, yeah, you get in the tube. It's the one where you go through like yeah, the like all of the fake rocks Egyptian and it, shit. Yeah, like spits you know all the shit. Yeah, out yeah, of yeah. You. Okay, yeah. It's just like every every amusement park has like that one water water ride. They have like the and log then, ride, then and then they go- have the rapids ride. Okay, this so was the like rapids the log ride. ride, kind of. Anyway, whatever. It doesn't really matter. <laughs> 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 so this accident occurred after a water pump had failed on the ride, causing the water level to drop, and this left one of the tubes stranded on the conveyor belt that brought the tubes up to the disembarking area. Okay, with people on it? Yes, there were people on it. It was full. It was entirely full. That's kind of scary. So It's like a a Looney Tunes cartoon, right? I do. But deadly. With like the axe, like an itchy and scratchy kind of (laughs) I'm a little sad that Kelly's not on this podcast right now because I remember the year that she worked at Eluch's and then told me, well, I think I overheard her telling Grandma or somebody about how she had to write a paper about the people that died at the amusement park and like the Tower of Doom type ride or whatever. I almost put that one in here. I just like remember her saying something about that and I think that that is what gives me amusement park anxiety. It's like stories about shit like this because like human error is always going to be a thing and machine malfunction is always going to be a thing and part of the excitement and part of the risk is knowing that you might get fucked up and flung from a fucking roller coaster but like on a water ride like those are typically the quote unquote safer rides like you go on those rides if you don't like roller coasters so one of the rafts was stranded after the water pumps failed They were stranded with a raft full of six patrons on the support rails of the conveyor belt, so they were stuck. They weren't moving at all. Okay. At the same time, the conveyor belt continued to move because nobody had noticed that the water level had gone down yet. Yes. That's six people. That's roughly 1,200 pounds. Yeah, yeah, that's not. That's a lot of weight. That's not just a little yeah. bit. No, two of them were children. There were four okay, adults so and two children, but still about ten thousand pounds. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, that's still a lot of pounds. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so at the same time, there was a raft approaching on the conveyor belt because it was continuing to move. The raft behind the stranded raft continued to move along the conveyor belt, and they collided. And were they supposed to be on the conveyor belt? Yes, because it was the the conveyor belt is what brings you up to the disembarking okay. area. So, like the okay. unloading zone. I thought they weren't supposed to be on the conveyor no, belt. They no, were. But they are. But these people got knocked off at the conveyor. They got belt. stranded because the water level went down so one of the pumps failed so the water level went down one of the rafts that was already on the conveyor belt was then stuck because there was no water okay but then the conveyor belt continued to move so it brought up another raft that was behind them while this other raft was stuck and stranded okay so the two rafts collided both rafts pivoted upward and one raft fell back onto the supporting railings and one continued to move forward. So the one in front continued the to pivot was upwards. Al- the one that was already on the conveyor belt yes. continued it to... It kept moving upwards. The raft behind it collided and kind of fell back level with the supporting rails. Okay. But the raft that went upward threw four of the passengers out of the raft and they fell either 
They were either crushed by the raft because it continued to move, or they fell Ooh. into the mechanisms Ooh. of the conveyor belt. Ooh. Oh my god! I just want to say, I just want to say really quick that I still have anxiety from the news about escalators. Oh, <laughs> so, four of the six passengers in the first raft fell and were either crushed by the raft or were. fell into the mechanism of the conveyor belt and were killed by the machinery there. So So there were four casualties. Um, There were the two other passengers in the first raft, which were children. They were both children. They managed to hold on to the raft as it pivoted upwards and then were able to climb off onto like the unloading zone and they were safe afterwards. So the the kids survived. That's good. Yes, the two children survived. That's that resilience of life. When you're I, old and you're beaten down, it's you have yeah. less resilience. It's you're probably like, because is, they weighed less. This is I was less momentum. That's to throw what I was them gonna off. say. They weighed less. They were probably stronger to a certain extent, just because they could just hold that, their that body weight up of like body weight to, to yeah, muscle. Yeah. But I, I do think. I mean, maybe it's just me and the fact that I'm severely depressed. But I feel like I would be like, well, this is what it is. This is it. <laughs> I get crushed me by that would be like, whatever. So rescuers worked for hours to retrieve the four bodies of the victims. Oh, God. How many hours? How many hours? I don't know. It just said hours. Hours. But like hours. That's a long time and as far as like getting butt. Oh, God. Peeling but them But they out. were stuck in the mechanisms oh my God, of the conveyor belt. Think of, oh. well, and these rescue workers, like a lot of them said that it was the most gruesome scene that they had ever seen. They say that in every Hoarders I know, episode they, that they I watch. They say that a lot. <laughs> in every but, Hoarders episode. But these were like rescue workers who I'm sure like they were like EMTs have things. seen murders and like people die before and they said that this was one of the uh, most gruesome files. scenes. So Dreamworld closed from uh, October 25th to December 10th. 10th of 2016 and the entire time there were inspections done to determine the cause of the death determine who was at fault and uh, the queenland the queensland coroner called the safety and maintenance measures of dream world rudimentary at best this specific amusement park at least specifically in this particular ride in the thunder river rapids ride it was shown that they had bypassed so many of the safety measures and it was not up to code, like not even up to so, Australian code, which I don't know if how different that is from like the American code of um, amusement parks and of rides like that. But like they were not up to code at all. And so pretty much immediately after this, after the investigation, they closed down the entire ride and they shut it down. And Good. the the parent company that owned Dreamland, Ardent Leisure was the name of the parent company. They were charged with three charges. I couldn't find what charges they were, but they were charged. <laughs> they were charged. It's Australia. <laughs> it, you don't have the same kind of access, right? But they were charged and fined 3.6 million Australian dollars. Wow. So they obviously... I, so they were found not, at fault. I, I wouldn't say obviously. They, I would assume, had to pay restitution to the family, and that's probably where the $3.5 million went, would be to the family of the I, people I that died. I would assume. Yeah. I'm not entirely sure, but I would assume. 
Which I think is warranted, especially yeah. no, like noting that they were bypassing all of the yeah. guidelines. Well, and right? even aside from just the safety measures of the ride itself, in the YouTube videos that I watched, like the the people who are operating the ride weren't properly trained either. They were just kids. They so, hired, yeah. right? Yeah, like high school kids. Partially, when I applied to work at Eulages and yeah. Waterworld, yeah. I had to be 15. And that was yeah, the requirement. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. So it was partially like human error in that they didn't know what to do if this ever happened, but then also partially just the mechanics weren't up to code. They weren't getting it maintenance and all that shit yeah. that they needed to do. Yeah, They were trying to like skirt underneath all of the legality of it and just trying to open up an amusement park. Yeah. So the Thunder River Rapids ride permanently closed immediately after the accident. That's good. And another ride is still, like, Dreamland is still open, and there's another ride that is being planned to be built in its place. Hopefully. They they haven't built it yet, obviously. I think they were supposed to open it last year, but COVID. COVID. So. (laughs) Sucks. Who knows? And that is where we'll take our break. Woo-hoo. That's some pretty creepy shit. Not really it creepy. That's some pretty fucked up shit. Worse. <laughs> More people will die. <laughs> oh no! I'll never ride. And then I have my stories. I have a couple of stories. Yes, I'm gonna drink more, even though I don't know if I should. So if I seem drunk on this episode, I am. <laughs> All right. All right. So, these next two stories are less amusement park themed, but they're still fun places. Bad things at fun places. places. And each story goes up in body count. (laughs) So, just be prepared. So, this third story is the Pharrell Ice Cream Parlor accident. So, this occurred on September 24th. Yes. Ice cream parlor? Yeah, an ice cream parlor. Okay. That that... just seems a weird place to have an accident. Hey, it's a fun place. Like a little store where people go into and they buy ice cream? They buy ice cream. Yeah? Yes. Okay. It will make more sense. Just like a little ice cream shop. No, I think it's great. Okay. (laughs) I was just curious. (laughs) I do like ice cream parlors. So this accident occurred on September 24th of 1972, and it occurred when a privately owned jet failed to take off at the Golden West Sport Aviation Air Show in Sacramento, California. Shout out to Kyle and his family. Kyle from Sacramento. So on September 24th of 1972, a privately owned jet failed to take off at the Golden West Sport Aviation Air Show in Sacramento, California. 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 Uh, The jet crashed into a Pharrell's ice cream parlor, killing 22 people and injuring 28. 22 people. 22 people. Is one of your stories about the one that happened here in Colorado? This was just a fun place. An ice cream parlor is a fun place. And then 22 people died at it. 
Like, I feel like when you're going to an air show, because when I went to the Reno yeah, air races with show, Kyle and his dad, like, I saw, like, nobody, like, crashed and died, but I definitely well, yeah. saw, like, three planes malfunction just, like, in the air and have to make an emergency land. Like, you just kind of expect that shit from an air show. Yeah. But, like, to have it crash into an ice cream parlor yeah. where <laughs> people are just, like, enjoying their they, Sunday yeah. afternoon, um, having a cone. They weren't even associated remotely with the air show. They were like across a freeway and then got murdered. Um, I don't know. I don't know if it was murdered. murdered. It was just like a a terrible accident. They got manslaughtered. Killed. Just say killed. Just like (laughs) tragically killed. So the jet was unable to gain enough altitude in order to take off. And an eyewitness said that the nose of the plane was over-rotated, which meant that it wasn't able to take off. The aircraft drove down the runway and then overran the runway and then drove through a chain link fence. So there were two underwing fuel tanks that were ruptured on impact with the fence that ignited and created a fireball. Then the plane continued across Freeport Boulevard in Sacramento and crashed into a car on the road before crashing into the ice cream shop at 150 miles an hour. Oh, shit. (laughs) So when he tried to take off, he was rotated, so he wasn't able to take off straight. Yes, right. So so he couldn't gain enough altitude. He came back down and ran through a bunch of bullshit. Yeah. Uh So essentially... So 22 people died in total. Yikes. Including 12 children. Oh, that fucking sucks. Yeah. Were they in the ice cream parlor? Mm hmm. Yeah. Because it's an ice cream parlor and that's where children go. Ice cream. Yes. (laughs) Kids and grandpa. Aww. (laughs) Kids and lactose intolerant grandpa. (laughs) Yogurt, please. So there was one eight-year-old child who survived the crash, but he lost nine members of their family. How many members of their family were there? So they lost both parents, two brothers, a sister, two grandparents, and two cousins. Yeah, that was like the whole family. That's like everybody. A whole family trip. Yeah. Load the van plus one. We should go in stages when we go yeah. to ice cream store just, like, just so that we case. don't all lose each other just in case of an accident. It's just like four or five of us. <laughs> so there were two people that died in the car that was struck on Freeport Boulevard. Mm-hmm. And immediately following the crash, an elderly couple was attempting to cross the street because they saw the crash and they thought that their grandson was in the building. So they tried to cross the street and then were hit by a car where the woman of the couple died. Oh, no. Gotta look both ways. Gotta look both ways. <laughs> but you, there's a fucking like place left, then right where and then a plane left again. just cro- yeah, like fucking I know, crashed but that's into. even more reason to look both ways because everybody's being erratic. Left again. Yeah. <laughs> oh, shit. So, (laughs) had the jet fuel tanks not ruptured upon impact with the fence, the crash could have been much worse and could have killed a lot more people than it already did. Why? Just because the 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 fuel tanks had already exploded before Before they hit the people. Okay. So, the the, the people that died didn't die from, like, an explosion of the fuel. They died from the impact of the plane with the building. Okay. That makes sense. 
or like some complication resulting that, from that. I feel like that would make it worse. I would almost rather die in an explosion because I feel like at that well, point it would be no, guaranteed more, death. Less well, people, I know that more people, people would, would have die, died. But I feel like the people that ended up suffering through the accident suffered a more agonizing Maybe not. End. Maybe not. They might have just uh, like been like killed. Yeah, I mean, right. I don't know. I mean, I if I hit you with a plane, you probably die just <laughs> right on impact. Yeah. But I feel like the likelihood of me dying in an explosion would be greater. <laughs> so the pilot of the jet, Richard Bingham, only suffered a broken arm and a oh broken gosh. leg. Did he feel really bad? I really hope so. I bet he did. Because he I'm killed sure. 22 people. I bet he was sure. like, especially fuck, man, since, my bad. Especially since he was just going to have a great day at the air races and show off his skills yeah. and have a good time. Well. <laughs> what? Well, he didn't have any skills. Oh. oh. <laughs> was, it a, was he an amateur? Uh, so the National Transportation Safety Board concluded that the accident was due entirely to pilot error. And Richard Bingham had only logged less than four hours on the jet that he was attempting to fly. What? He was a very novice pilot. Oh, And it was a privately owned pilot, or privately owned jet and privately owned company. And so there was less regulation around how many hours he needed to have logged in order to fly it. Did he do it of his own free will or yes. was he like no, told he did it of his own he free will to do it? He from what I understand, he asked to do it and they allowed him to. Oh my He never flew again. I think he retired from piloting. He should have gone general. to jail. He should have gone to jail, but he did not. Uh or the company <laughs> should have been Yeah. But like, I don't think either of them were found liable, which is because ridiculous. Because the company should have like Yeah you know, rules and regulations on but, your experience. Uh, remember, stuff. this was 1972. Okay. Oh, wait. Okay. Yeah, you're right. <laughs> Never mind. Where there were no regulations so for he anything. alone is responsible. His ego. Yes. Told him he could fly this plane. Well, and the National Transportation Safety Board said that he alone to... was responsible for the accident. Okay. They said that it was pilot error. And so had a different pilot been flying, it wouldn't have happened, according to the National Transportation Safety Board. So the FAA, which is like the, I think it's like the FDA, but for like pilots. (laughs) Yeah, it's like a regulation (laughs) system. Yeah. yeah. Um, After this accident, they modified the rules for flying military jets over densely populated areas. Because part of the reason... Part part of the problem with this accident was that it was an ex-military jet that was being flown during this air show, which I don't think is like a common practice in air shows. I feel I like know. it's more commercial aircraft that is flown. I don't know for sure. But they changed the rules um, regarding what is allowed to be flown over densely populated areas. Um, and they also tightened pilot requirements. So people like Richard Bingham couldn't fucking fly a jet over Sacramento yeah, anymore. I feel like whether or not you allow those kinds of planes and air shows, I think just like the population area, like I just feel yeah. like you shouldn't be able to fly 
these like crazy jets over densely populated areas no matter the circumstances yeah. Yeah. kind of thing you know just yeah. because it's like it's gonna happen in case something happens no yeah. matter what you do even if the pilot is strange shit happens Machines malfunction. Human yeah. error is always a thing as we're learning through this journey of <laughs> yeah. bad things and fun places. So a year after the crash, the Firefighters Burn Institute was founded and funded by firefighters um, because the accident made it clear that there wasn't an infrastructure really set up to handle like large burn casualties or like burn accidents. So as a result of this, because there were a lot of people who were burn victims from the airplane crash, they founded the Firefighters Burn Institute in Sacramento, California. Oh, that's kind of cool. And that is the end of the Pharrell ice cream parlor accident. It's pretty sad going to get ice cream. Yeah. Just dying a fiery plane crash. Yeah. I've got one more. Okay. Are you prepared? I yes. am prepared. I don't know if you are. I, I tried know. to tell James this, and he was like, oh, that's fucked up. Mm. Maybe so. I'm not prepared. <laughs> this is where it gets heavy. And this is kind of what drove me to want to do just, like, fucked up, like, bad things happening in fun places. <laughs> this is what made me not want to just do amusement park accidents, I think. Because this, this is yeah. just very interesting to me and very sad. Okay. Um, it's a bit of a vintage one. So this is the Victoria Hall accident. On June 16th of 1883, a children's variety show was presented by Mr. and Mrs. Fay at the Victoria Hall in Sunderland, England. Uh, this traveling magic show occurred mostly without incident, except for one trick that used a puff of smoke that made some children in the front row sick. But that was like the only thing that happened during the entire show that had gone wrong, really. Um, at the end of the show, the entertainers announced a giveaway for children with a certain number ticket, and they would receive a prize as they left the the hall. And at the same time that they were announcing this, the entertainers began passing out toys to children in the stalls, which, from what I understand, is like the lower area of the the hall. It's just like a theater. Okay. Um, and so there were like the stalls at the bottom and like the gallery up top. Okay. And so they started handing out toys to the children in the stalls. Um, most of these children were unaccompanied for the most part. So as they announced this, not wanting to miss out on the toys, an estimated 1,100 children rushed from their seats in the gallery to the staircase leading downstairs to the stage. But the door at the bottom of the staircase that they all rushed to was op it opened inwards, so it didn't open outwards, and it was bolted open, but only open wide enough for one child to fit through at a time. This already sounds very horrible. Yeah. So with that many children rushing forwards, they rushed around the staircase, and there was also a bend right before the staircase, so they couldn't see before reaching the staircase, which becomes more of a problem later on. But they, they began to pile up, and those in the front of the pack began to be crushed by the weight of the crowd behind them. So there were so many children going at such a fast speed, they couldn't all get through the door at once, and they started falling over, over each Aww. other and essentially Crushing crushed the others other. to death. Aww. Yeah, 
It was, it was pretty really terrible. Sad. And they were all children? They were all children. Oh, oh my God. Yeah. When adults realized what was happening, they rushed to open the doors, but the bolt in order to open the door was on the other side. So it was on the side with the children piling up, crushing each other, so they, so they couldn't, couldn't open it. Yeah. There was a caretaker, Frederick Graham, who tried to untangle the pile of children, but he was unsuccessful for the most part. But he saved the lives of hundreds of children, and he directed around 600 children to a different staircase so they wouldn't all fall over each other, and he directed them to safety. So he basically saved yeah. little kids' lives. Yeah, like 600 children. Uh, That's so horrible from just, like, a door not being open all the fucking way. And just falling on the stairs. It's like, I I almost also did the the Crush at the Who concert. Yeah. If you, do you know about that, Belle? Mm -mm. So there was a Who concert where everyone was, like, trying to get in. They wouldn't open the doors. I don't think they opened the doors at the time they said they would. So people were getting impatient and they started pushing everyone forward. And all the people against the fence, there were, like, dozens of people who were crushed to death and, like, trampled over as all of these people were trying to rush inside of the concert hall. So it's, like, very similar to that situation where it's just, like... That hive mind chaotic nonsense. And especially with children. There's been people that have been crushed to death in Walmart and Target, Black Black Friday. Friday. Yeah. Yeah. And, like, with that many children, too, just, like, their incapability of having... That awareness. Yeah. They're just like, what the fuck? Yeah. Toys! (laughs) Get the toys! So, eventually, an adult tore the door off of its hinges and was able to free the rest of the children that hadn't died. An account from the survivor, William Codling Jr., Here's a quote from it. He said, soon we, are, soon we were most uncomfortably packed, but still going down. Suddenly, I felt that I was treading upon someone lying on the stairs, and I cried in horror to those behind me. Keep back, keep back, there's someone down. It was no use. I passed slowly over and onwards with the mass, and before long, I passed over others without emotion. Oh, my God. And so, well, I mean, at that point, you either keep going or you end up or you are on crushed. the ground. Yeah. So in total, 183 children between the ages of three and 14 oh, were crushed to death. And uh, a lot of the official causes of death were compressive asphyxia. Queen Victoria sent condolences to the families and even donated to the disaster funds. And a memorial of a grieving woman holding a dead child was erected in Mowbray Park. Um, The memorial fell into disrepair for a while and was vandalized. But in 2002, the memorial was restored and moved into a glass protective canopy to prevent vandalism. And that's where it still is today. This event inspired Scottish poet William McGonagall to write the Sunderland Calamity and national outrage led to legislation that required entertainment venues to have a minimum number of outward facing emergency exits because the main problem was that the door faced inward instead of outward. Mm -hmm. So even if the children were able to like undo the latch it would have still still come towards the pile that was piling up and so it wouldn't have really done that much good I don't think. And that legislation is still in effect today obviously 
how horribly sad it is. One good thing that came out of this is that it led to the invention of the push bar emergency exit door. Robert oh, Alexander that's crazy Briggs. to me. Well, year was this 83? Yeah, 1883. Oh, 1883. 1883. Uh, okay. Robert Alexander Briggs, who is the, the, the patenter of the push bar emergency exit door, he was inspired mostly by this event. And so without this happening, there might not have been the invention of the push bar emergency exit door which there would have been some other tragic event and then they yeah. would have had to yeah. create wow. a push bar emergency exit yeah. door at some but point. This, the, this the, was how early one. it was created yeah, probably no, it, saved thousands of lives oh yeah, no, absolutely you're right <laughs> no. because there was a similar incident that happened in um chicago the iroquois theater when it disaster where it like caught hundreds on fire of people Six, died. like over 600 people died yeah. in the iroquois theater fire and it was because of like a lack of emergency exits they were all mm-hmm. barred off anyway bad um, good story so no one was prosecuted places. and the person responsible for bolting the door was never identified um but yeah, the Victor- why was the door bolted in the first place well they say the the belief that it was bolted was so that they had to check tickets before people could go up into the galleries so it was like a theft prevention kind of i guess so that you had to check the tickets yeah but they kept it bolted the entirety of the show and then after the show i think it from my understanding it was bolted before the show to like help they just never people in they just never unbolted it Yeah. yeah um the victoria hall remained in use until 1941 when it was destroyed by a parachute bomb in world war ii oh no and that is the end of bad things happening in fun places. It's crazy. Bad things <laughs> in fun places. So can I tell you some of the bad things I've seen yes. or that I know about? Yes. Yeah. First of all, you guys remember Grand Canyon. Oh, oh yeah. yeah. It was really sad. We didn't really have anything to do with it other than we were barricaded on the road. We couldn't go. For several but a 16-year-old kid went over the edge of a canyon. It was really sad. Anybody else have any shitty things that happen at fun places? I, it didn't happen to me, obviously, but I think something that is so traumatic that happened at a fun place that will always stick with me is the, again, Disney, schmizney, if we don't want to get sued, although as if anyone from Disney would listen to this podcast. Nobody listens to us. But there was the the Hall of Presidents ride, I think, that like um, rotated. It was like a rotating room and it would go from like one scene to another scene. And there were cast members who would like stand and talk about it. And the lights would turn off as it was rotating to like not break the immersion or whatever. And there was one cast member who was crushed in between the stationary oh, wall and that. the rotating wall and she like screamed in pain and in horror as she was dying and everyone thought that it was a part of the ride <gasps> oh, until no. they turned the lights back on and there was like blood everywhere and she was just fucking dead. Were you there? You weren't there, were no, you? I've okay. never been to Disney. I was going to say, you would have told me that. Like, <laughs> no. You just said it like something that happened to me. No, 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 no. It's just a story that I know about because it's horrifying. <laughs> that is horrifying. Oh my God. We should wrap it up. We should yeah, wrap it Bell's up. Bell's tired. What doesn't suck, ladies? 
Things that don't suck. My dog died. It's very sad. But I already sang with you. (laughs) I know. Things that do suck. Our dog died. The family I'm sorry. Keep calling him my dog. My dog was your dog. We haven't lived with him in so long. It's only been like two years for me, but still. What doesn't suck in your life? Hannah, go. Um, that's really hard right now. There's nothing in particular that doesn't suck. Oh, that's sad. But there's also nothing in particular that does suck. It's just that generalized so, depression. So having things um, that, that don't suck doesn't suck. And I think that that's a win. I think... In, I think in a in a COVID world where everybody's <laughs> suffering from debilitating depression and anxiety, world. having things that don't suck in your life is a thing that doesn't I, suck. Honestly, so yeah. Bo, Bo Burnham right now is my thing that doesn't suck because I have hyperfixated on Bo Burnham and looked to his art as a way to deal with my mental illness for many years, which I know is unhealthy and I know is unfair. Um, But his new special on Netflix inside is incredible. And if you have not watched it yet, I suggest that you watch it, but be prepared to be in a healthy mindset. Or if you're not in a healthy mindset, have someone with you while you watch it. Just be prepared to get sad. Because it is very sad. Just be prepared. Even if you are in a healthy mindset, just be prepared to get sad. Be prepared to be very introspective about the past year and a half. But it's incredible and it makes me happy every day, but it also makes me incredibly sad every day. So that's my thing that doesn't suck. (laughs) I can, I can appreciate that. And I do love Bo Burnham. I need to watch that. So am I next? Yeah. Salem. Yeah. I guess. So if you didn't gather, I had, I lost my dog this last week. And it makes me really sad and it really sucks. But the thing that doesn't suck is that I have such an amazing support group and an amazing family and that he had everybody that he loved around him and he knew it and you could tell it meant something to him, you know? And I guess that's my thing that doesn't suck is that I just have such a great family around me. Yeah. And I know I say that a lot, but it's just, it's like something that I think that all of us should be grateful for every day because not everybody has what we have. And it's a pretty fucking awesome thing that yeah. we have going on. It's nice too, I think, to have a constant thing that doesn't suck. Yeah. So like, even yeah. if you go back to the same thing over and over again every week. At least I have one thing it's that like, doesn't uh, suck in my yeah. life. Because I, at least it gets for me, sometimes. it gets really hard, especially when I get into like my really deep depressions trying to find anything that doesn't suck other than like this one constant, which in our case I think is our family. And so even being able to like hold on to the fact that we have a really great family and like even if that's the one thing that doesn't suck that week, it's really it's really great. Because we have we honestly have a really awesome family. Um, I want to change my thing that doesn't suck to Belle specifically because Saturday we were all here 
and we were all getting very sentimental and we were all drunk and we were all talking about mental illness and Belle sat there and listened to me talk about how I don't feel real for literally an hour and just like reassured me that I am real and reassured me (laughs) that that's not totally insane that I don't feel real 90% of the time and I really appreciate that. What was I telling Hannah? I was like, (laughs) well, you don't feel real because of your mental illness and I intentionally go out of my way to not feel real by self-medicating with weed. Same. (laughs) But whatever. What's your thing that doesn't suck? My thing that doesn't suck is really exciting. Um, My thing that doesn't suck is that just a couple nights ago, I got to see Last Podcast on the Left perform a live show at Red Rocks. I'm so jealous. And I'm really thankful that I live in a city with a venue as beautiful and as... (sighs) As dreamy as Red Rocks. You know, I have sang on the Red Rocks stage when nobody was there at like fucking two o'clock in the morning, but I have (laughs) sang on the Red Rocks stage. Just kind of like how Tori did it. I did a duet uh, at the, the Globe Theater during a workshop when nobody was in the stands, but I got to perform a duet on yeah, the stage yeah. at the Globe Theater in uh, London. Um, but anyway, like I got to see Last Podcast on the Left perform live at Red Rocks, and it was just really exciting because for me, through all of this pandemic nonsense that everybody has been dealing with, like one of the only things that has helped me to stay, like I've felt connected to the world, has been listening to podcasts. And Last Podcast on the Left has been a particularly comforting one that I've constantly turned to and they at least in my podcasting journey are a big inspiration for me and I know that I have absolutely no connection to those men whatsoever but I still feel really proud of them like they were just like so happy and genuinely excited to be there and to share that night with everybody and I just like you know like they were talking about how it's like a dream come true and I just like you know it just feels good to be able to share that experience with them making Red Rocks history the first ever podcast to perform live what's your favorite memory of the night Uh, my favorite memory of the night has to be when Ben uh, brought Puffin to the stage (laughs) that has to be my favorite memory of the night Nice. But it was really good. It was a fun nice. time. I just want to, in the very small chance, the very minute chance. That they'll ever listen to this That they'll ever episode. listen to this, just for the sake that we mentioned them, which I'm sure so many other true crime podcasts mentioned them a oh, hundred thousand yeah. I mean, times. pioneers in the genre. Oh, yeah. yeah. They've been doing it probably the longest. Are we leaving? I think oh. so. Are we leaving? We had our things that don't suck. What else do we do? Don't forget to follow us on Instagram yeah. and Twitter and Facebook, FFS yeah. the podcast. You can email yeah. us at FFS the podcast at gmail.com. I'm taking off my wedding shoes, which means that it's time for me it's to go. It's time home to and go. go. To bed. So her outro. I'm taking off my